1: Friends, and welcome to the most powerful podcast ever created the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast, starring me. Thanks. And as always, across this powerful oaken desk from Texas via Mexico, Mike Cruz. Hello. I mean, Mike Rez. Yeah, I was uh, sorry, I was at the Ritz Carlton there for a second. Oh, my God. <laughs> Putting on the Ritz. <laughs> Speaking of Ritz, Ritz crackers. Tell the fans of flock of Amish. By the way, welcome back, fans. We missed you. It was one week. We do this weekly. Please enjoy it every week. One whole week. Yes. (laughs) Ritz crackers. We did a powerful YouTube channel. You guys are following us on YouTube, right? Amish baby machine YouTube channel. The most powerful YouTube channel ever created. Arez, tell them about the video we just recorded. Oh man, it was totally powerful and epic. We did the saltine
0: challenge for the flock that is not aware of what the saltine challenge is. You have to eat six. Saltine crackers in sixty seconds, without drinking any water.
1: Gone in sixty seconds is what you hope to achieve.
0: Yeah, and uh, you're gonna have to watch it when it comes out to find out what happened. (laughs) It wasn't pretty. (laughs) Did uh, you think you know? We we talk about when we eat the the hot stuff and the peppers. How you're a pepperhead and you get infused by peppers.
1: I do. I get empowered, infused, enraged what else enrolled enrolled something
0: do you think there's like people out there that get high off of crackers cracker heads
1: (laughs) cracker heads for you (laughs) would be like a mayo head a mayonnaise head mayonnaise head something yeah yes do you like miracle whip or hellman's mayonnaise or you gotta go mayonnaise yeah there's some brand you ever heard of this brand that everyone talks about this mayonnaise that's really good forget what it's called (laughs) (laughs) no it's really it's you always see these foodies and. You always talk about this certain brand and it's not Hellman's. I,
0: I don't know. I don't I guess I'm not too into the mayonnaise world. I
1: believe you're referring to Duke's mayonnaise, Dags. Well, you, you look I know like, what
0: aioli is. Yes. What
1: is that? I need TP for my aioli.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you've got your nipples, your aioli.
1: Oh my goodness. Yes. If you uh if you know what mayonnaise it is, please reach out. Reach out and touch us on Twitter at Amish Bee Machine. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, too, Amish Baby Machine. And like we were talking about, make sure you follow and subscribe and click and comment on our powerful YouTube channel, Amish Baby Machine.
0: Yeah, you got to do all of that. And then you got to leave a, a review. And that, yes. that all of that unlocks the wonders of the universe. Yes.
1: If you leave a five-star... Oh, we're not supposed to say five-star. If you leave a good review
0: not supposed to say what why why can't we say because it's star too now? uh
1: is it prideful is that what it is yeah. pride cometh before the fall it's or a five-star podcast it is a five-star leave a five-star review comment on your podcast player of choice yeah
0: I, I don't think people understand if you do anything other than a five-star you actually get a small jolt of electricity through your phone whoa yeah it's crazy so don't do it don't no, even try. don't it. do it
1: <laughs> now micro res we enjoyed a powerful show on Netflix. We have a song of the day. We got a lot going on. We do have a
0: lot going on. Song of the day is going to be awesome. Yes. The Netflix show is going to be interesting. Yes. we talk about it.
1: Now, uh, just latest thing in the news is Daft Punk retired. What do you know about it? What are your sources saying, Mike Rez?
0: Uh My sources are saying that they're uh, totally out of electronic use for any of their music. <laughs> so... They're gonna they're gonna hang it up. I bet they get back together though, because they always do.
1: Are they gonna be unplugged or? Oh, that would be awesome. Unmasked,
0: an unplugged album from Daft Punk.
1: No helmet, acoustic version. Yes, they're gonna be practicing unsafe music by wearing no helmets, no gear, no coverage. Do you even know what they look like?
0: There is an old picture of them you can find on the internets of them. I think it's like when they're in their teens, like late teens, almost 20, 20-ish. There's one picture that exists of them. Yes. And it's an old black and white, I believe. Yes. If I saw it right.
1: If you were in a band, what helmet would you wear? Uh, oh, it's a good question. Probably a football helmet. <laughs>
0: that would be like, like the aesthetic of the band. Everyone has to wear a different sports helmet, so I would wear the football helmet. The drummer would be in a hockey helmet. Um, we'll have to find other helmets. <laughs> What, what
1: helmet do you see me wearing in, Wearing with my big, powerful melon?
0: Oh, a mushroom-sized helmet. <laughs> a mushroom? <laughs> mushroom-shaped helmet. <laughs> oh, my goodness, that
1: sounds weird. I, I think you're talking about uh, Mario, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Weird, wild stuff. Today on the most powerful podcast ever created, the Amish Baby Machine pop culture podcast. Now, we are talking about Daft Punk. They sample a lot. They do sample a lot. Yes. So the the one song I think of was the Sherbs. We ride tonight with that whole intro, that whole keyboard intro. Oh, sure. Yes. Yeah. Powerful intro. You're gonna to need to check that out. The Sherbs. Uh, they they made a living doing that, which was
0: actually kind of probably really nice for the people they were sampling because it introduced their music to a different demographic as well. So they had uh, all those uh, all those people that. Weren't listening to their music, want to know who Daft Punk sampled in that at track, and then they look it up, and there
1: you go. To you, what's the ultimate song that used samples? Just any genre. Oh, God. I mean, what's the uh, song you think of when you think of a sample?
0: Probably Mo' Money, Mo' Problems. They, they took the uh, that I'm Coming Out sample, and they sped it up and then put a, put a sick beat behind it. It's like P. Diddy Mace and, and B.I.G. So if you go listen to that, and then listen to uh what they sampled it's pretty sweet actually a lot of he did songs were sampled as well and they he didn't run from it wasn't ashamed of it he actually told you in one of his songs you know taking hits from the 80s making it yes. sound so crazy
1: yes he had a uh, dude from um led zeppelin
0: yep yeah cashmere or yeah for godzilla the the crappy godzilla movie with matthew Broder. yes
1: it wasn't as much as a sample as he actually he actually played on there right yeah. Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page played on it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I, I'm thinking uh, Two Live Crew, Me So Horny. That was, that was a good one. Do you know what movie that was from? No. Full Metal Jacket. There you go. Yes. 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 Yeah. Ugh. What can I give? <laughs> anything, <laughs> anything you want. Anything. Yeah. And yep. then in the background, you hear these boots are made for walking by Nancy Sinatra in the beginning of it. Yeah. Uh, Two Live Crew.
0: Can you imagine if they came out now, no one would blink an eye? if they made the music they did back then. But when they made it and released it, it was so raunchy and terrible and creating, you know, nothing but hell for parents that they got censored. The first group ever to get censored.
1: He also got in trouble using Luke Skywalker. I don't think uh, Lucasfilms enjoyed that. That was pre-Disney.
0: Pre-Disney. I bet you Disney wouldn't mind now. Yeah, right. they take it all. Oh, you're now a Disney
1: princess. Yeah, two live crew was definitely ahead of their time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they had uh, what was the band in the USA? Was there? Yes, their big hit after "Me So Horny."
1: Yeah, they had. um, They sampled a lot of cool stuff. You know, you think of hip hop, rock samples. You think of Run DMC sampling Aerosmith.
0: Yep, that was a that was a big crossover. The video was pretty sweet. I remember the video back in the day when that came out. You had Aerosmith on one side of the wall run dmc on the other and they were both trying to rehearse at the same time and it turned into an epic mashup of epic proportions
1: and it really brought back the career of aerosmith yeah it, i mean they were 70s and you know times are changing and it really gave them a jolt
0: yeah well what about the anthrax public enemy turn it up bring the noise yes that was pretty sweet
1: that was a good crossover. Yeah, Anthrax was cool. Public Enemy, definitely cool.
0: They had, Public Enemy was the top of hip-hop in the 80s. They were one of the pioneering groups after uh, NWA.
1: Yes, so, Northwest Airlines.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. That's a weird weird name to name yourself after, but it worked for them.
1: Yeah, it was either Northwest Airlines, they were going to go with Delta or United. Those are the three choices. Not, not Transworld? Transworld. <laughs> Pan Am. Pan Am, classic. Get the. Classic handbag, the Pan Am, also oh, Powerful Games, the Pan Am Games. Right. pan is what it stood pan- for, right? Panama. Off the 1984 album by Van Halen. Ooh, Van Halen. Powerful. We got a full circle going on with Van Halen and yes. Song of the Day. Yeah, today we're, we're just rambling about rock. We're rambling about everything. We're going to ramble. Oh, they just, they just go off topic all the time. They're just... I'm Going off topic, <laughs> you know. You know, I was trying to do the Minnesota accent, and now it's right. Now it's clicking. Now I hear myself going back to Minnesota. Do you? Yeah. Back to your roots. Yeah, because it's like I'm going. Yeah, I yeah, dare, dare and you know, like I say, you drop the T's and dares and and finally in Minnesota we're thawing out.
0: It's been a, a heat wave the yes. last couple of days,
1: and then poor Texas. Oh my God. So we're
0: experiencing pretty much the same temperatures as Texas, only Minnesota's built for it.
1: Yeah, we're built different.
0: Yeah. Texas, everything's bigger in Texas, even the water pipe. Bursts. Yes.
1: The, the key is, kids, leave your water trickling when it's cold out. Don't right. let those pipes burst because that pressure builds up. You know, the ice builds up and there. The ice builds up there, and you got to get up on your roof with the rake, and you, you take the snow down there. Do you guys do that in your farm, on your barn? Do you Do break the roof
0: uh we have in the past we have a, a roof break for the barn yes and uh we haven't had to use it the last couple of you years you don't do it anymore
1: it's kind of like when you get a new car and you wash it every week and <laughs> after a while you just <laughs> go oh,
0: fuck it well you know the the barn the barn uh faces is on the the north side of the street the north so the sun will will bake that side of the street or the house and that's like snow free but on the back side of the barn it's uh, got snow on it, and that will actually get ice dams that'll last, you know, months. We actually are experiencing that right now. We have lots of icicles hanging off the barn.
1: Yes, you bust them off. That's when you're a kid. That's the ultimate thing. Is yeah, it? bust them off. Yeah. It. And then you always they always have we, that giant one that will like <laughs> the Widowmaker. <laughs> the one your mom
0: yeah. doesn't want you to impale yourself yes. with. <laughs> Don't play under that while you're trying to catch it with your mouth
1: wide open. <laughs> you ever lick the icicles as a kid? No, but I, I do enjoy the blue raspberry icicles. It's my favorite flavor. Oh, nice. Did you? Do you lick the, like... Uh, I, as a kid, I yes.
0: definitely did, yeah. Actually, there's, like, the whole neighborhood group that we hung out with. There were days when we all had an icicle in our hands, and we were just walking around the neighborhood. Yeah, it's like the it salt
1: out. lick there for the deer. We just leave it out there, and they come and lick it, and then we uh, shoot them. Oh. Yeah. Powerful. <laughs> powerful show today. Mike Arez, I wanna talk about we're gonna segue back into music on our powerful rants and anything on your phone there? Cruising?
0: Oh, just kinda of looking getting ready for a song of the day. But uh, El Chapo's wife was arrested today. Tell us about El Chapo. He's uh, the Mexican drug lord that has been was running elusively through Mexico. The United States finally got him. And his wife was in Virginia, and she's been arrested and charged with aiding and abetting his drug life. So she's going to be locked up for a while, too, unless she like starts turning states. Yeah, do you think inside, they're trying to flip they got to be flipping They're going to flip Yeah, her.
1: they don't want yeah. her. They want her to flip and take down the rest yes. of
0: them. Yes. Yeah, they're definitely going to try to do that to her. It's funny, El Chapo, when he was arrested in Mexico a few times, this is how corrupt uh, the Mexican justice system can be he was allowed to build one of his prisons that he was going to be housed in so the deal was he would plead guilty and go to jail but he got to build and design the jail or the prison and of course in the cell that he was going to go to had an escape hatch in it and he got that's one way how he escaped prison one time in mexico so can you imagine someone here like being that powerful some drug lord saying all right I will plead guilty, but I get to design and build the prison that I'm going to.
1: Like some big pharma guy? Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would be, uh, that'd probably be the same equivalent here.
1: Now, Michael Rez, today's song of the day is Rockwell. Yes. Somebody's watching me. Somebody's watching me.
0: It's got that awesome synth in the beginning with the robotics, somebody's watching me, or somebody, somebody.
1: It's got the, the horror theme, the Yeah.
0: It sounds the haunting, Halloweeny.
1: The haunting keyboardy. Tell us, fans of Flock of Amish, a little bit about that song. Sure. Somebody's watching me
0: is by Rockwell that was released in nineteen eighty four on the Motown label. So he was a Motown artist. No,
1: wait, nineteen eighty four. We all know that's the year the world peaked. That is. Powerful correct. songs, powerful movies.
0: Books written about it by George Orwell.
1: We don't read, but thank you.
0: I know, words suck. This was Rockwell's debut single release and his biggest hit that he ever had. Uh of course it features, everybody knows, Michael Jackson has got the the chorus in it, but so does his brother Jermaine. He's in it as well. Uh which I remember I knew that, and then when I was reading about it today, it reinforced that I remembered I knew about that part. So we have two of the Jackson 5 appearing. So Somebody's Watching Me became his major commercial success here and internationally. It would top the charts in Belgium, France, and Spain. It reached number five in Canada, eh? And in Germany, the Netherlands, New Zealand, South Africa, Sweden, Switzerland, and the United States. So the full circle with Van Halen that this song has, that it only reached number two because two songs stopped it from reaching number one. The first one was Jump by Van Halen. The second one was Footloose by Kenny Loggins, which continues our
1: Kenny Loggins theme. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you subscribe to us on, on YouTube, because we are constantly talking about Kenny Loggins. Yeah, he's, he's the best. He is. Uh, this, the Gambler was his favorite, my favorite song. Was him. it? Yeah. I like the you one. You gotta he... know when to hold on. That's em. a good one. Know when to hold 'em. No when to hold 'em. No when to hold 'em, you got it. That's how I know. Yeah, that's how you know he wrote yes. the song. Yes. Kenny Kenny Loggins wrote that
0: song. Yeah, Rihanna. That's how Rihanna started writing songs from
1: Rihanna. Kenny,
0: Kenny Loggins. Uh the song reached number six uh in the UK. It, this reached gold twice in the United States. Once the physical album copy when it sold greater than 500,000. And then as the digital age came about, the single sold over 500,000 digital copies. So it reached gold status here twice in the U.S. It also reached gold in Canada. Uh, and in Canada, their gold status is 50,000. So it's
1: <laughs> <laughs> significantly less it's kinda, than the United States. Kind of like their money is not worth shit. <laughs> yeah, Poor ex- Canada. We ex- love Canadians, by the way. The exchange rate is... uh. It's not the same, but it's a lot probably a flock equivalent. of Amish are from Canada. We love you,
0: in France. It sold three hundred and fifty-four thousand copies, but in France, you you don't get rewarded for, for that. So, but uh, that was the, the fourth highest uh, amount that it ever sold. So, uh, he was he's been uh, riding this up until now as well. There's been a couple of uh, different versions. Uh, Beat Freaks released a version. Uh, in 2006 and uh they actually shortened it up significantly so that one was two minutes and 48 seconds the original version uh was five minutes long so they took out a whole lot
1: his dad was Barry Gordy
0: Rockwell's dad is Barry Gordy uh and he was the uh guy in charge of Motown
1: yes uh,
0: at the time and he actually Rockwell and and Barry didn't get along they were estranged at the time barry didn't actually like his music but he still signed him weird <laughs> yeah which was which was odd and then um i think he changed his tone when michael jackson and jermaine jackson said they were they would do the chorus part of the song
1: well it's weird when someone sings someone famous sings on a song right it reminds me of a uh, glass tiger when brian brian adams sang on that do you remember that no, I don't, don't remember that. Don't forget me when I'm going. <gasps> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you always got to have someone right. hot, you know, to <laughs> sing in there. Forgot about that. Yeah. Or uh, Dire Straits. In the beginning of Money for Nothing, that's Sting singing that I want my MTV. Oh, yeah. Yep. So that's another one.
0: Yeah. The uh, When I sent you the video, I forgot what, I always forget what Rockwell looks like. And then when I sent you the video, I was like, that's not Rockwell. And then he started singing. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's Rockwell, I guess. I don't know why I forget what he looks like.
1: Or it's like Rick Astley before people knew what he looked like. You wouldn't imagine that dude, would you, with that voice? No, that ginger? No. There's a stranger of love. <laughs> 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 Never gonna give. <laughs>
0: oh, oh, what my a great God. song.
1: Do you remember his other song?
0: I know he had a second one, and when you start singing it, I'll know it, but I do Together, Together forever? Together forever. <laughs> yeah. powerful, Yeah.
1: Why in the 80s, why was there so much paranoia? There was men at work. Who can it be knocking at my door? (laughs) There was Rockwell. I always feel like someone's watching me. Probably the acid floating around. There was stalking with Sting, you know, every breath you take. Yeah. Every move you make. I'll be watching you.
0: What was the uh, Paul McCartney? Oh, no, that's, I'm thinking of The Girl Is Mine. That's nothing to do with paranoia. The Girl Is Mine. he has two friends fighting over a chick.
1: Yes, off the Thriller album.
0: Yeah, they uh see they should have saw that coming because they were fighting over a chick in that song. And then in the, later in life they fought over who owned the rights to the Beatles catalog.
1: Yeah, I wonder if he was scheming back then. I think he was getting his foot in the door to scheme. Wow. Yep. Was, How can you buy someone else's music? That is just so messed up, isn't it? Especially someone who's supposed to be your friend. Yeah. That's
0: yeah. Well, when I purchased the rights to The podcast. We'll we'll figure it (laughs) out. Mike is going to own the (laughs) right save. Dags, would you like me to search monster.com for a new assistant manager?
1: Thank you, Mike Arez. Oh, thank you. For telling the world about Rockwell 1984, Somebody's Watching Me. Yes. Did he even make any other albums or what? Well, that was part of the
0: the bigger album that was on Somebody's Watching Me. Um, But yeah, he didn't really make much after that. Uh, three. He released three albums altogether in 84, 85, and 86, all on Motown.
1: They're all on Motown Records. They are. Uh,
0: Rockwell's real name, in case people are doing bar trivia at some point and they need to know what Rockwell's real name is, Kennedy William Gordy.
1: Kennedy William
0: Gordy. Yeah. Uh, Kennedy's a cool name, but you can't use that for a music Kennedy, career.
1: Kennedy, Kennedy, swing bada. Right, they're like,
0: here's Somebody's Watching Me by Kennedy. Yes. it's an MTV DJ, wasn't it? Kennedy? It was.
1: Yeah. Also a president, yes. Yep. Powerful. Powerful facts, fun facts from Micah Rez on Rockwell. Now, Micah Rez, let's segue into the Netflix series, The Cecil Hotel. Tell the fans a Flock of Amish about that powerful series that we enjoyed as a four-part series, correct?
0: Correct. This is the docu-series that was released this month, just a couple weeks ago on Netflix. Uh, The actual name of it is called Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. Dun-dun-dun. I added that part. That's actually not part of the title, just in case anyone was wondering.
1: What is the actual title,
0: Mike Arise? It's Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. Is the actual name? It's a four-part docu series. Each episode is about fifty, well, these are fifty to fifty-five minutes long, somewhere around there. Series. So you invest about four hours of your day watching it, or spread it out over a couple of days, like I did. It's a story about uh, Elisa Lamb, a Canadian college student who decided that she needed to get out and tour the world a little bit. And she's from uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. Attending university up there, as they like to say, uh, and she decided she was going to hit the West coast and hit a couple of places in California. She started out in San Diego and then made her way to l a and unfortunately did not get to finish her trip. so this is uh it kind of it's weird Dags, because you I, I knew this was out. you suggested we watch it, and the same day that you suggested we watch it, those ghost adventures guys are actually going to the Cecil Hotel where they've already filmed it there and this episode of theirs is going to be uh released soon I think on the Discovery Plus streaming network or whatever it is but they Tell did us an a investigation little bit about that. Yeah. What's that about? The Cecil Hotel. So Ghost Adventures is three guys uh one of them I think is on steroid sack um and they they just go to different locations throughout the country actually throughout the world they've gone to a couple places overseas um and they they do the overnight investigations they get locked up and they You know, do the if you can hear me, make a noise type thing. But they have all these cool gadgets and stuff.
1: Is it all in that green? Most of it is,
0: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, what we always make fun of it at the, uh, at my barn, uh, the ghost adventures show, because everyone will start screaming and then the Zach will be like, everyone shut up, shut up. (laughs) And then he starts screaming and then everyone's like, he just told everyone to shut up. So, yeah, it's, uh, one of those, you know, what was that type shows. Uh, so it, this is it's getting hot again this cecil hotel i think because um they're they got bought by a company in new york and they're going to reopen sometime in the next year or two
1: now there's the, the ghost guys i want to talk a little bit about okay. that okay do they believe it do you think or is this a, like what is your vibe on it are these guys
0: i i think they do believe it so one of the guys actually got divorced um and i've seen this interview with his ex-wife so it wasn't just him saying it but it was her Saying it outside of the show, so it's not like it, she's getting paid to say this as part of like any type of publicity through the Discovery Channel or anything, but one of the places they went is called Bobby Mackey's, which is like one of the haunts supposedly one of the haunted places in the country, and they did a couple of investigations there and one of the things that happens there supposedly is that whatever spirits are there or demons, whatever they are, can attach themselves to you and you bring them with you wherever you go for a while so supposedly they did an investigation there. One of the guys brought home a demon or something attached to him. And over the next year or two, he and his wife became, you know, less and less interested in each other and they divorced. And she says that it had something directly to do with them investigating that location, that ever since he had came back from that spot, he was a changed person and wasn't the same person. They get divorced and now she said, you know, they both moved on in their life, but she said he's almost back to normal. And this was like 10 years ago, but she can still see some differences in him. So that's one thing, you know, they do believe in what they're talking about. Of course, it's a TV show and they want you to keep coming back. So some of it is, you know, made for TV.
1: Didn't you bring something back from spring break once? Yeah, but that yeah, was they took care different. of that, didn't they? Yeah, the ointment, yeah. <laughs> a salve. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what's this better, ointment or salve? I like salve. Salve is a good word. Yeah, but with ointment, everybody yeah. knows. What do, you, do you do you say pants or trousers or Knickers. slacks? Knickers. Knickers. Yeah, I like slacks. Slacks. Yes. No matter slacks. what they are. Slacks. Yeah. Slacks. Hagar slacks. That's what I rock. You know, if
0: you put a nice pleat in it, I'm gonna rock it.
1: Yes. Bugle Boy. They don't talk about pants much. In the 80s, we were obsessed with, with pants. Yeah. What was the commercial
0: where the, the hot chick would pull over and say, excuse me, are those, were they Bugle Boy jeans? Yes. Nice okay. pants. Yeah. What was Guess jeans? Yes.
1: Bugle Boys, Guess, Jerbo. Chick. Yes. We enjoyed pants in the 80s. Did Jordache? Yes. Jordache was a sweet yeah, brand. Yeah, they fit. Yeah. We enjoyed jeans. We enjoyed... In the 70s, they enjoyed markers. There was El Marco Marco and Flair markers. We enjoyed markers back then. Now it's just Sharpies.
0: Well, Sharpie. It's like everything, and everything's a Sharpie.
1: Yeah, they're going off topic again. They're supposed to be talking about the damn haunted hotel. All right, get back (laughs) to the hotel.
0: All right, so the Cecil Hotel was built in the 1920s. It was the shining star of downtown L.A. at the time. And then the Depression hit, and it turned into a shit hole, which basically what happened. So you got this nice brand-new hotel, and then the Depression hits, and it turns into low-income housing with nightly, weekly rates uh, that uh, a lot of derelicts, horny dudes, and prostitutes, drug dealers started hanging out at.
1: Yeah, there was an 80s band named after that Skid Row.
0: (laughs) That's right, yeah. It was right in the middle of Skid Row in downtown L.A. Uh, and for the flock that don't know, Skid Row uh, still exists, but it's
1: It's a tenth city. It's now. a tenth
0: city, basically. Yeah. And this hotel was like right on the outskirts of it. Um, and there are a couple of people they talked to said that, you know, you go one direction or the other and you're in the middle of the tenth city, which, and one of the most dangerous places in LA, um, you know, a spot that uh, police are at frequently and a lot of times don't even bother showing up to some of the calls. So lots of drug use. Uh, Alcohol use, beatings, prostitution, uh, overdoses, people dying every day there. So it's uh, not a not a great place to be. Probably not the best spot to have a hotel, but the hotel was built before Skid Row existed. And the city of L.A. just kind of puts people there. Uh, I think they said in the documentary that people out of prison and out of mental hospitals are dropped off there, basically. And said,
1: there you go. It's like a halfway house. Yeah.
0: So And then they, they blocked off the outskirts of Skid Row, so there was actually like a uh, a border of where you could and couldn't cross where the homeless were allowed Whoa, to be. Whoa, like a DMZ. Yeah, it was it's just weird. So Elisa Lamb decides that uh, she needs to see the world a little bit and talks her parents into letting her go. At the beginning of the series, Daggs, I thought it was kind of weird that it seemed like she had to ask permission to leave.
1: She was 21 years old,
0: and then you kind of find out she's got a history of mental illness, so that's probably why... Yeah.
1: Yeah, Well, spoiler alert. We don't want to. It's got some twists and turns in here. Yeah, this story.
0: Yeah, that's. But that's something I think every you find out pretty early uh, in the uh, in the series. Um, Ron Howard, executively produced this, and I think his influence because he's used to directing movies. Yeah, Cocoon is one of his. Yeah, and I think there's some theatrics in this documentary. So it's it is a documentary. But I think, you know, there's some some parts where they have an actress playing her, reading her Tumblr blogs and everything she's posting online, which I thought was kind of...
1: She was into Tumblr.
0: Yeah, that was her social media platform of choice. So I, I, I thought that was kind of weird. I didn't think we needed somebody to read her Tumblr posts to us. But.
1: Yeah, with documentaries, they got to jazz them up.
0: Yeah, I guess I just, I'm, I wasn't ready for that yes. jazzed yeah. part. Yeah. And it kind of threw it off for me.
1: What's that one? Social Dilemma?
0: Yeah. The, yeah well, that they one, they a, actually
1: made it into like a weird, that was weird. They I had a like whole that. family. No, of. I just wanted the facts.
0: Yeah, that that did kind just of the make facts. it
1: weird.
0: But yeah, so it, uh, it the way I see it um, it kind of starts off one way and then it like kind of branches off in four different spots and it's like a documentary about four different topics that are all talking about the same topic. I don't know if you got that vibe off of it, but that's something that I that I thought, you know you got the what happened to Elisa Lamb? And then you have the Internet sleuths, and then there's the one person that they focus on, and there's the ending.
1: The problem was it was it should have been a lot shorter than four. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking.
0: It was probably one episode too long.
1: Yeah, and the internet's loose. So what it is, there's these people on the internet trying to figure out what happened to her.
0: Trying to be better investigators than the investigators.
1: You know, it's the true crime, it's whatever you want to say type people. But some of them, I mean, they they seem disturbed. I mean, they're obsessed.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, what was that one guy named after the yogurt?
1: Yes. Chobani.
0: Yeah. He uh he was probably like the one that disturbed me the most. He he just seemed like really out there and probably not great with relationships in real life.
1: <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's yeah, the internet sleuths, you know, the people that like I said obsessed, but at the same time, you know, it's the thing is the collective brain power of all these people, can they solve crimes? But then you'll see in this series that they took it in another direction. Right. And that can be dangerous too. And a lot of times they don't have all the facts. So they no. just start filling in stuff and they start reacting to things. And, you know, you'll see when you watch the series.
0: Yeah, that's when the conspiracy side of things can take over. And, uh, yeah, it, it, I think when the, if the flock watches it, they will be as disturbed about them as I was at the end. It's getting roasted though it's not very it's not getting good critical acclaim the whole series it's only got a 46 uh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes or a 46 and it's got a 53 um, on this website called Metacritic out of 100. Now, of 100.
1: what are you what are you seeing why don't people like it
0: I think this like we said it, it's one episode too long I I came away and some people might come away at something different I didn't like anybody in it There's not one likable person in this documentary. You know, sometimes. What was your
1: take on the hotel manager? She's corporate, very, very
0: corporate. She seemed like she was trying to explain why she did certain things to kind of save her own ass, even now. You know, it's 2021 and she's still trying to explain things just so people don't get mad at her. But she seems like a a super corporate person.
1: I hate how these documentaries, well, they always edit it so they they stop when they have a weird look on their face. Yeah. You know, they always say something <laughs> and then they stop and there's this weird pause and, and it, it they look awkward. And right. I don't think it's fair because it makes them always look guilty, you know?
0: Yeah, like so, when they're like, I hate spaghetti. Exactly. And then they look at them and they're like, oh my God, how could you hate spaghetti? Yes, and bitch. they have this
1: weird look on their face and it's always like, it's kind of like hot mic moments. Right. Like, I don't know how they do these documentaries if they just put them in front of the camera and go on and on and on, and then they just cherry-pick pieces and edit it all together. I think
0: that's exactly how they do it.
1: So you could make anyone look goofy, you know, anyone look guilty, and then you make someone look guilty and later on, they're not guilty, and, you know, the facts, you know the facts right away, but then you don't tell them right away. And Right. They always have things, like they'll have someone they'll have someone in a wheelchair, but they'll shoot them just from the head above. And then the next scene they'll show it down and then yeah. you're supposed to react to that.
0: Yeah. You're like, Oh my God, they are in a wheelchair. You, you know?
1: So it's just, right. it's, it's the thing I hate too, is a gotcha journalism when they'll run up to someone and say something just to trip them up.
0: Yeah. yeah that's what this documentary does. But yeah. And, and the thing is, so they're, they're probably interviewing these people in one day. So they interviewed the, the hotel manager in one day and then they can, you know, then they interview, you know, one of the detectives on another day and then they can, you know, it, you can chop up their interview then however way you want. So something she said near the end of her interview on that day, they could cut up and put it at the beginning to make the cops interview seem more intriguing or to make it sound like, you know, they're butting heads at some point when that, you know, and it wasn't like that at all, but they, you know, the story they want to tell. Because, like, we've talked about this before. With people who make documentaries have an agenda, and there's a story they want to get out, even if it's not the story and the way the facts happen. If they're slanted thinking in one way or another, they're going to make a documentary the way they see things. So it's like an being an internet sleuth, only you're a documentary filmmaker.
1: So... What, what parts of it did you like? Did you like the history of the hotel and people that stayed there parts? or
0: I did. I liked the history of the hotel. What intrigued me most was the Night Stalker.
1: Uh, yes. That he stayed there. Yeah, and we were going we, we to do an episode about that. We didn't get to it. Maybe we could sometime. Yeah. But there was a yeah, correlation between Richard Ramirez.
0: And the Cecil Hotel. The
1: Cecil Hotel. The internet sleuths. That's hard to say. Sleuths you would cut that out right you don't even want to mess with that maybe a little bit but i think you need them they're they're important to the story
0: but not as much as this documentary made them out to be um yeah i'd
1: cut Would that you out. cut it down to like two episodes or what uh i mean you could trim the shit out of that thing you could maybe maybe make four half hour it's episodes. a freaky story yeah and i think they did it a disservice by putting all that filler bullshit in there yeah if they would have tightened it up made it a nice you know, put some scary music, make it scary, tighten it up. the story is cool, the ending is freaky, you know there's a lot of freakiness going on in there. I'd cut out the internet sluice i'd you know you could leave in the one with the one character you're talking about, the protagonist guy right you know <laughs> put that put that all in there, wrap it together, and you can make a tight, scary documentary
0: yeah, I think if you make you could easily cut a half hour out of each one yeah and make them a half hour each and
1: the I almost couldn't. It was kind of boring, I thought, in the beginning. The music was dreary, and I I get this, the, the the mood they're trying to set, but I would set it more scary. It was kind of, I was bored in the beginning, yeah. but I was forced, to, you know, I had to finish it. The
0: So seeing, before I watched it, seeing that promo for Ghost Adventures, and then in the beginning of the first episode where they talked about how people think it's a haunted hotel, I thought they were going to go more into that part of it and instead they talk more about just like the coincidences and the creepy coincidences I think it was in the third episode yeah which are kind of creepy no they are yeah and and you have to watch it to, to figure it out but it I thought it was going to be more on that side of things which I was kind of disappointed because I do get into some paranormal stuff I mean whether or not you believe it or I believe it that points moon I get entertained no it's, by the it's, paranormal stuff
1: no, so do I. I love that stuff. Yeah, I think the 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 story was cool, was freaky. Yep, characters were freaky. Tighten it up. Cut out all that bullshit. You know, whoever directed it didn't like it. No, I didn't. I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. Who directed it? We don't know. Uh, I didn't like. No, the, we can figure that. Yeah, out right I didn't here. like the music choices. I didn't like the you know the the flow of it, the whatever you want to call it, the the rate. Yeah, Joe
0: Berlinger. Was the director. Now, uh, Ron Howard executive produced it. Yeah,
1: that doesn't mean anything.
0: No, this guy is a true crime documentary filmmaker.
1: So he did Paradise Lost, right? He did Paradise Lost. Did you see that? I did not. Yeah, watch that. We should talk about that. That's an old show.
0: Yeah, he uh, also did uh, United States of America versus James J. Bulger. That's Bitey Bulger, correct? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, and um Intent to Destroy Death, Denial, and Deception. Uh, Brother's Keeper. Um, yeah, looks like uh just trying to see what else stuff he did. Oh, he did uh The Book of Shadows, the second Blair Witch uh movie. He was the director in that. That was his debut. That one. So he he has done some other movies but it uh, looks like documentary filmmaking is something that he's getting into more and more
1: yeah I didn't I didn't like the show what, what do you what's your rating what, what are we rating this what are you rating this? Michael? Uh,
0: on a scale of one to five buggy wheels I'm giving it a three and that's yeah a three. I'll give it three buggy wheels.
1: I'll go with three I was gonna say 2.53. I like the stories freaky there's a lot of freaky stuff going on. Yeah. I didn't like the the film, though. I didn't like how they did it. No. Yeah, they should have cut it in half, made it, you know, real tight, cut out a bunch of that stuff that we both didn't enjoy.
0: Did you know any about it, uh, anything about her story before you watched this? Because I'd never even heard of it. But it was covered nationally.
1: I didn't. Someone was talking about the video. There's a video in there that's yep. the viral video. And at first, I'm like, no, no. And then someone was talking about it before I saw this. And then I'm like, Oh, and then what happened? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I did remember it. Okay. But going into it, I went into a blind, but then I halfway through, I'm like, Oh, that's that. Isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, it was.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't even remember yeah. any, I didn't remember any of it. So that was uh crazy. One of the, one of the stories they talk about, you know, one of the like things that have happened there, you know, there's lots of deaths and suicides and stuff, but the woman who jumped out of the window and killed the guy on the street Whoa. landing on him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's it's, it's a weird go. that place should have been raised. Just tear it down. Yeah. Way too much bad juju in that place.
0: Yeah. There's uh but somebody a group in New York has bought it now and they're planning to do something with it. Some un- probably distasteful no, things. No, <laughs> you got
1: you got to just tear that thing down. Yeah, it's, you don't even uh, have to be uh superstitious or believe in the paranormal to like uh there's way too much blood in that place. Yeah, there's just it's way gross. too much negative energy. Whatever you want to call it, just tear it down.
0: Yeah. I I just can't see myself like working there. You know, no. going there every day. No. Most
1: know. most places where stuff bad happens, they tear it down anyway. Yeah. It's you LA
0: know. though. I mean Yeah. I think it started to get too much of a uh yeah. history and they were just like, Oh, we gotta keep it
1: up. Yeah. I don't know. Good job, Mike Rez, On that hey, powerful thanks. review.
0: Awesome, thank you. On the much. most
1: powerful podcast ever created, the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Amish Machine Instagram. Make sure you review our powerful podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, we are available. Check out our YouTube channel, subscribe there, comment, and all that jazz. We just ask you one more thing. Please tell a friend about our podcast.